1: Hey everybody, this is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Cabot. And welcome to another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And Mary Kay, we have a special guest on this podcast that we're going to get to here in a few minutes. Peter King from NBC Sports, formerly of uh, Monday Morning Quarterback, joined us. Uh, he joined you to talk all about the Browns. I've listened to the interview. Um, it was really interesting. You guys talked about John Dorsey, Baker Mayfield... Hugh Jackson, I mean, you guys got into a lot of things, and it's a really interesting lesson.
2: Yeah, you know what? I'm so grateful that he did this. Uh, He was willing to do this in part because uh, he had me on his podcast uh, at, uh, I think we were at the Super Bowl, when he was just almost wrapping up his time at Sports Mm -hmm. Illustrated. So uh, he was willing to return the favor, and I I greatly appreciate it because we've known each other for a long time, and he's uh, just obviously right at the very top of his profession, and he's so wise and so smart in football. And we covered such a wide range of topics, mostly dealing with the Browns. But yeah. uh, like you said, we got into a lot of things, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. Yeah,
1: and in fact, at the very end of the interview, he even gives you some credit for uh, his knowledge of the Browns <laughs> and, and for, <laughs> for reading you for, uh, for so long. But yeah, you, I mean, it's not just Browns. If you listen to the very end, you're going to hear stuff on the National Anthem. Uh, stuff on the Hall of Fame, and Terrell Owens, who is is going into the Hall of Fame this weekend, but he's not going to be there. Of course, you and Peter are both Hall of Fame voters, so you guys kind of get into that issue a little bit, and at the very, very end of his interview... He gives us a prediction for the Browns. We're not going to say it here, but he gives us a win total prediction for the Browns.
2: Yes, he does. So I wasn't sure if he would be willing to do that.
1: I wasn't either when I was listening. I'm like, oh, is he going to do this?
2: Yeah, he did that and uh, and everything else. He did not shy away from any of the things uh, that I asked him, uh, including things like, you know, would he have retained Hugh Jackson? Uh, What does he feel about the Josh Gordon situation? Would he bring Des Bryant here? So we really got into it, and he's a great interview. And again, of course, that's why he is Peter King and... Uh, why he is so success- successful in his career, but I really, really enjoyed this.
1: Real quick before we get to that, because this is the uh, the last chance we're going to have to record a podcast before the Browns have an off day. We're recording this on Monday night. So the Browns are off on Tuesday. They're back on the field Wednesday. Just real quick, let's talk about our thoughts through the first five days of training camp um, and really the story of the last two days, Mary Kay, at least in my mind, has been the progress of Baker Mayfield. It has been fast. He looks much sharper than he did in the spring and I think the last two days uh, he has been as sharp as I think we've seen him in practice.
2: Yeah he really has and I think one of the things to point out is that he still has yet to throw an interception in this training camp and I think that's absolutely remarkable especially for a rookie so he's very intent on protecting the football and we know how big Hugh Jackson is on that we know how uh, that really basically wrecked the season last year 22 interceptions uh, by Deshaun Kaiser but you know we've talked about this before they weren't all deshaun kaiser's fault hardly but um you know he was put in in a very difficult situation last year so i think that all the quarterbacks this year will have better opportunities to protect the football make plays score the football and i think people are going to like what they see from this offense
1: and and even with that progress there's no quarterback controversy right now this is still tyrod taylor's job it continues to sound like it's going to be tyrod taylor's job on september 9th um that it doesn't I, I find it hard to believe that's changing in part because when I've asked guys about Tyrod Taylor, you know players in group settings, one-on-one interviews, things like that, they all talk about how great it is to have a veteran quarterback, a guy that they know that they've seen play. I, I think a lot of NFL players really respect and like Tyrod Taylor, the quarterback. Um, and, and so I think that's part of this equation too. Obviously, look, if for some reason, Baker Mayfield were the starter. The players would go out and play, and if he played well, they'd get behind him. But right now it seems like having that veteran quarterback seems to be a stabilizing force for everybody.
2: Yeah, it really does. I think that um, even Hugh Jackson, although he talked yesterday about the fact that Baker Mayfield has exceeded expectations in training camp, uh, the subject came up again today. Does that make you you know, tempted to, to want to throw it open to a little competition? He's like, no, how many times do I have to tell you people? <laughs> that this is not a competition Tyrod Taylor is our starter and we are committed to that so he is holding firm to that that is not changing even though Baker looks good but I think it's encouraging that Baker looks Mm -hmm. good that is exactly what you would want from the number one overall pick you don't want him to come in here and everybody is like privately thinking oh my god what did we do right there's none of that I think the feeling is wow we may have really nailed this now it's hard to do Uh, Even Peter King talks about that. It's very, very difficult uh, to nail the starting quarterback. Quite often, it doesn't work out the way that you want it to. But um, just from a looks standpoint, how the ball is coming out, the revolution, the accuracy, where it's going, field vision, all of those things are good right now.
1: And the reality is we're not going to know until we see him play real football, not Mm -hmm. even in the preseason. I mean, that's going to help give us an idea. But we're not really going to know how good he is on this level until we see him play real football in real football games. Um, So we're a ways away from that. But like you said, it's really good to see him playing well in camp. And we're not sitting here saying, what is going on? We're not seeing passes batted down, we're not seeing interceptions, we're we're seeing the traits that John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson and everyone else has praised about Baker.
2: Right, and um, Tim Couch has been here for the last couple of days, and he has really raved about what he's seen in Baker Mayfield. They both came out of the air raid offense, Mm -hmm. and it is the kind of an offense where it doesn't necessarily translate to the NFL. You're standing deep, deep into the shotgun. You've got all the time in the world to throw. You're not running the ball. There's just everybody out in in formations, and, uh, and it lends itself to a high completion percentage and a lot of touchdown passes and a lot of success on offense. And, you know, it remains to be seen how the Air Raid guys over time are going to fare in the NFL. Some of them have done okay, and some of them have not. So Tim talked a lot about that, but he is very impressed with what he's seen so far in Baker Mayfield. And I think that when you're dealing with former quarterbacks who have been through this, you can, take, you can put a lot of stock in their words.
1: All right. Um, I think we'll leave it at that. We're going to go ahead and let, uh, let Peter King and you do the rest of the talking here uh, on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So here is Mary Kay's interview with NBC Sports. That's still a little weird to say. NBC Sports, Peter King.
2: All Peter, are you buying into all the Browns hype that you hear? What do you think of these 2018 Cleveland Browns?
0: Mary Kay, the interesting thing I I just was in Pittsburgh, and you know I can tell you a lot of when I go to training camps I ask people, hey, what do you think of this team? What do you think of that team? I always ask what you think about the teams in your division, and you know, a couple of people I've known in Pittsburgh for a long time, and I trust they say we think the Browns are pretty good. And I think it has to do with the fact that when you see so many players that you've really, really liked over the years, you know, Joel Joel Batonio. I mean, you can name ten of them, but you see a lot of guys that you've liked over the years on your draft board, and they all are on another team in your division. You say, if they get the quarterback right, they're going to be a competitive team and they're going to be hard to beat. And I think that is what i feel. If the Browns got the quarterback right, mm-hmm. then everything's going to fall into place. You're not going to know if you got the quarterback right probably until the middle of 2019. That's one of the hard things about building a team and understanding, you know, it, 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 it isn't it, it, it isn't something that you can find out quickly it's something that takes a long time mm-hmm. you know to determine you know uh whether you're you're going to be any good or not and i think the one thing about this team they've collected so many good players who everybody liked in the draft but you know history says that half the quarterbacks who get picked high in the first round are dismal failures so i mean I thought that taking Baker Mayfield was smart, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a great player.
2: So, would you have taken Baker Mayfield yes. if you had the number one pick? You would 100 have hundred
0: out of a hundred. That was I would your have guy. Baker Mayfield. Why, why was he? Your I'll tell guy? you why. Because <clears throat> now, look, I don't watch a lot of college football, Mary Kay. I basically watch football. When you find out the five guys who are going to be in the draft, you watch a bunch of stuff from them Mm -hmm. after the season. Right. Um, The last couple of years, what I've found is that, I'm not sure if it's ESPN, it's somebody on YouTube, puts together like a 35, 40-minute collection of plays for all the top players in the draft. So you could just sit there and you can kind of poor man scout a guy in a half hour to 45 minutes and just get a good idea certainly not the way you would normally scout a guy, but get a good idea whether he was a player or not and I just liked Baker Mayfield when I watched him and a lot of people would say ah, he's churlish, he's a little immature, all that I mean, I, I have zero problem what he did in Kansas you know, I have zero problem with that. I thought what Kansas did before that game at midfield was one of the most bush league things I've ever seen on a football field. When you don't shake hands with the with, with one of the opposing captains, I mean, I, I, obviously that sent Mayfield into orbit, uh, and i i just didn't I just didn't like it at all. Now, did he overreact? Yes, but good for him to to be pissy about it. But. <clears throat> I think he throws the most accurate ball downfield of all of these quarterbacks in this draft.
2: Yeah, he And does. that
0: is a vital part of what makes a quarterback good.
2: Yeah, wait till you watch him out here a little bit this afternoon, you'll see the uncanny accuracy. That's something that has really stood out in the first five days of camp. It really is, uh, it just jumps right out at you.
0: Plus, you know what, Mary Kay, I want a guy who... I want a guy who's got a little bleep you to him. I just do. I think at the quarterback position, I kind of like... I don't want Clark Kent. Yeah. I want somebody who's got a little bit of an attitude and say, you know, you're not going to beat me. Yeah. I I think that's a value. Even though you wouldn't think that guys like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady have that, they have it.
2: Yeah. They
0: definitely have it. And I think he has it, too. So, again, you know, we'll see how it goes, but... No, he was the guy I would have picked if I had a choice.
2: Okay, very interesting. What do you think about the way they're doing this with Tyrod? What do you think about Tyrod, and how do you like the setup here with him waiting behind Tyrod?
0: Well, it's so, you know, I'm here one day. That's it. And it was so interesting that Tim Couch is here today. Yep. Because you saw what happened with Tim Couch when he was thrown to the wolves. Yep. Not good things. And, look, Tim Couch if he were in this camp, if he were on this team right now, you wouldn't be throwing him to the Wolves. Right. You have a decent supporting cast right now. Mm-hmm. So so it's not the same thing as, to, as what Tim Couch went through in 1999. But <clears throat> I think Tim Couch's best thing that he said to me today when I said to him, what's your... What's your advice? And he also said this to the group. Mm-hmm. Patience. Yeah. Be patient. Right. I will always look back at 2003 when the Bengals selected Carson Palmer first overall. Mm-hmm. And they came out right away and said, he's not playing. Right. You know, he is watching. And that, to me, is an extremely smart long-term play. Yep. Because, you know, if you want your guy to be really, really good long-term, I would want him to be without any question. I would want him to be the most prepared guy out there. And really, can a rookie quarterback be really, really prepared? Couch said something really interesting to me, Mary Kay, that by the time he was maybe halfway through that season. Yeah. Okay. Here's a guy who was high school All American. Yep. He was All American in college. He was the first player picked in the draft. Mm-hmm. He never failed. Right. And now. He was getting killed, and he was lousy, and he's completing 44% one game, 48%, you know. Right. He said, I lost my confidence for yeah. the first time as a quarterback. I was not a confident football player. Right. Can you imagine going in as an NFL player and going into Pittsburgh playing the Steelers? Yeah. No. And you think, boy, I'll tell you what. I wish the other guy was playing. Yeah. You know? I yeah. wish Ty Detmer was playing. Exactly, you know? I mean, yeah. it's a – so I think – give Baker Mayfield a chance to learn everything and you know take a few hiccups offensively and let Tyrod Taylor absorb the punishment man he's making enough money mm-hmm. he can he can absorb the punishment mentally physically that the the quarterback on this team is going to absorb and then basically, you know, I, 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 I'm sure people here are tired of listening to Wait Till Next Year i would wait till next year if i were the browns
2: yeah and i mean this is a regime that uh watched aaron Rodgers sit for three years behind brett Favre. i mean this is like little green bay here right now so they're used to that sort of thing i don't think it's going to phase them at all um how do you like the way that uh, the browns came back this year with putting dorsey in place and letting him bring his people but yet still keeping hugh jackson what do you think of the setup that way
0: I remember last year during the season talking to Joe Thomas and saying, you know, it was obviously a disastrous season and just saying it would be a lot of pressure to fire Hugh at the end of this year. He goes, I don't think they should do that. Hugh Jackson's the best coach I've had since I've been here. Yeah. And so I think in this place you have to look beyond the record and you have to just say, do we have a coach who's got a good chance to succeed, particularly when we bring in a quarterback next year? Look, it's awkward that you are going to have a. Uh, it's awkward that you're gonna you're gonna have a a new GM not bringing in his coach. I don't care, you know. Deal with it. I I would have done the exact same thing as as uh, as the ownership did here because I don't think he would deserve to be fired.
2: Okay, good. That's interesting. I wasn't sure uh, your take on that. So you kind of looked at it uh, maybe the same way I did, that he was not given that fair chance in those first two years with uh, you know, the approach that they tried to take and what they gave him to work with.
0: And, you know, you have to ask yourself, are people in your locker room still listening mm-hmm. to this guy? Yeah. And I think they were listening to what he was selling, and that's why, look, they go 2-14 this year. Hugh's getting fired. That's life. Yeah. You know you can't win three games in three years and keep your job. But I think he deserves a chance with a really good front office and a really good professional general manager.
2: Okay. Um, and you obviously have a, a history with John Dorsey. Why, why is he the right guy for this team?
0: Well, you know, I'm not saying that he's the only guy who you who you could have put in position here and he would have done a good job. But Dorsey is a football guy and he's methodical. That's the word I think of when I think of Dorsey. He's just methodical. I like the way he told the people he trusted to essentially say... I want everybody to look independently at the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Elliot Wolf, don't be talking to Alonzo Highsmith. Yeah. Scott McLuhan, don't be talking to Hugh Jackson or or, or a- any of the other guys. You know, come to your own conclusions about who you like. And you know, the overwhelming uh, mandate in that group was to take Baker Mayfield. So, look, I I like Dorsey. I think he has a good track record of picking players. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think that if you want to try to get your fifth, sixth, seventh-round picks right, you've got to trust the system. You've got to trust how methodical your scouts and general manager are. I would trust him.
2: Okay. Um, and what do you think is going on with this whole Josh Gordon thing? Do you have any feel for that whatsoever?
0: My only feel is that... Um, You know, obviously something happened that I have no idea what it is, but something happened to take him off the straight and narrow. Uh, And look, I mean, what that does is tell the Browns very simply that, you know, we are not going to be able to offer Josh Gordon a multi-year contract with significant guaranteed money. So you've almost had your decision made for you he and it it really wouldn't matter if he goes somewhere else and becomes a hall of famer you know you can't continue to give guys chances and again i applaud him for whatever it is that it seems like he's really trying so so good but I do think the Browns' decision with the future of Josh Gordon has been made pretty apparent with what's going on this month.
2: Yeah, and, and also even just expressing interest in Des Bryant. I think that shows right there that they know that they have to kind of Gotta move, move
0: on. on. Got to move on. Yeah. You know, you, can't, you just can't wait. And yeah. uh, I, I think they're smart to do that.
2: Would you bring in Des Bryant?
0: I probably wouldn't. I mean, I think he's an explosive guy... The only way I'd bring him in is if I was absolutely confident that he'd be a team guy and not divisive. Mm -hmm. And I think at times he's been divisive in Dallas. So I think he's a good player. But, you know, look at his production over the last three years. Mm -hmm. Right. Ever since he signed his jillion dollar contract, I did a stat when the Cowboys cut him. And I said, I basically did this stat that basically did you know that over the last three years in the NFL, Richard Matthews has been a more productive wide receiver than Des Bryant. Interesting. And Des Bryant has made, I think, forty-four million dollars over yeah. that time. So, I, I mean, would he be an upgrade over whoever the the fourth guy was in this group? I don't even know who it is. But I would say yes. But you then ask yourself: Is it worth it, both financially and the risk to the chemistry of your team?
2: Oh, all great points. Okay, I don't want to keep you too, too long here, Peter, because I know you want to watch some of this exciting practice going on <laughs> over there. So I'll run through. I actually
0: the... want to watch Antonio Callaway.
2: Oh, gosh, you know I'm what? I'm really curious Just about him. Just raw physical ability, yes. Yeah. He will look the part. I, you got to get over there. So yeah. let me ask my last four questions yeah. here real quick so you can get uh, to watch some of this practice. Um, it seems to me that the AFC North might be ripe for the taking, Soon. I don't Might know. Might be soon. because
0: because look, Pittsburgh has got major questions about defense. Yeah. You definitely are going to be able to score some points on that team. Right. And I uh, you know, I was there yesterday. They're they're concerned about, about Le'Veon Bill. I bet. A, you know, when is he gonna be there? And B, when he does get there, is he gonna be able to stay healthy and explosive and productive his whole time this year? Um, you know, the Bengals I have no idea what to think of the Bengals. I wouldn't be thinking that they're going to be powerful either. I I was extremely impressed with the Baltimore Ravens when I saw them. Really? Yeah, in part because I looked at Flacco and I said, that is a different Joe Flacco. And I think he feels the hot breath of Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. on his neck. And for some people, that's a good motivating tool. I think for him, it's going to be good. Yeah. But okay. you're right. I don't think that there is any team in this division that I say. First of all, I, I mean, is it, will I will not be surprised if the Browns go three and three in this division hmm. and beat every team in this division one time.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I I could see it happening. They, yeah. um, you know, when I look back to last year, they their turnover differential was minus twenty eight. Oh my God! And that was like way, 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 way worse than the second worst team. Yeah. If you just close that gap right. and you stop turning the ball over on every other play, <coughs> you can win some football. Imagine if you
0: have one fewer turnover per game. Exactly. I mean. Yeah. That's a that would be a powerful change.
2: Yeah, and they will because Tyrod doesn't turn the ball over. So, um, so yeah, it'll be very interesting. Okay, so just a couple more real quickly, and then I'll let you go and. Uh, is there a solution to the anthem problem?
0: I don't think there is one. I I keep hearing these sort of uh, sketchy. Uh, yeah, they're working on something, but I don't know what it is. What possibly? What possibly could could the solution be? Truly, I don't have any idea what the solution could be. But I will just make one point about this. That you know, at some point. At some point, Roger Goodell has to come in for significant, significant heat on this issue because and I'm not saying the guy makes forty million solve the anthem problem, but the guy makes forty million solve the anthem problem. Right. I mean, I think it's I think it is ridiculous to have this festering wound trouble your sport and have the guy who you trust at the lead of the sport to basically uh, to not be able to solve this problem. This this is something that Roger Goodell has to solve.
2: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, okay, winding down here, um, do you think that the Hall of Fame handled or is handling the T.O. situation uh, for this up, upcoming induction the right way?
0: I would have... Done it differently. I would have treated Terrell Owens exactly the same way I treated everybody else. I would have played a video of his highlights. I would have announced his name on Friday night and said, you know, whatever about him. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you shouldn't let other people dictate to you how you're going to run your ceremony. Um, Terrell Owens decides not to come whatever the reason is, probably because he's angry about what happened in the first two years. Um, I, I think the Hall of Fame should have been bigger than Terrell Owens.
2: Do you think Terrell has a right to feel the way that he does? No,
0: absolutely not. It's absurd. He can feel whatever way he wants. Is he justified? Right. If that's the question, is he right. justified? Absolutely not. Um, about a quarter of the people who have ever gotten into the Hall of Fame have gotten in on the first ballot. Right. And so, you know, are you telling me that Al Davis, who got in in year seven, that he was eligible, is he any less a Hall of Famer than Barry Sanders, who got in on the first ballot? I, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's sad, pathetic, stupid, ridiculous. Uh, you know, grow up. Grow it,
2: up. You know, I have to wonder if it's because he didn't get in in those first two years, or if it's something else, if if he maybe. H- heard things that were, you know, that were said, you know, maybe about how other hall members feel about him and things like that. I just, I don't know if we 100% know why he's doing this.
0: Yeah, well, whatever the reason is that he's doing it, uh, again, yeah. I don't know why he did it. There may right. be something that I have no idea what it is, Right. but... but I, I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, of all the people who have gotten into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, everyone, everyone has been in the induction ceremony right. ever, unless they're dead.
2: Right, yeah. Everyone. Wow. That's and yeah. So,
0: it's incredible. And so, you know, don't you think that I think Lynn Swan got in his 14th year yeah. or whatever. Right. I, and again.
2: No, I agree. It's it's, just, it's it's disrespectful to the people that had to wait their turn and handled it with class yeah. and grace. I, I think
0: it is too. But I will I'll also say this. It's his right to do whatever he wants to do. Right. I may think it's idiotic, which I do, but whatever, to each his own.
2: Well, we take so much heat at the minute we walk out of those rooms, right? Yeah. I'm a Hall of Fame voter as well. You are, of course. Um does the process need an overhaul? You know,
0: I—I I mean, every way I've ever heard, every proposal I've ever heard about voting for the Hall of Fame to me is flawed. Mm-hmm. If you had uh, instead of forty-six, because right now there's forty-six media members and then two uh, former players, right? Uh, in Dan Fouts and James Lofton, mm-hmm. so. Every single proposal I've ever heard about it, I, I don't think it's better than that. It it very well may not be worse than that. But one of the problems that I've heard, or one of the things I've heard people say, let's have representatives of every team. I mean, is is the guy from the Bengals going to be uh, totally magnanimous when it comes to judging the stealer? judging the guy on the Browns, is he, I mean, many of them would be absolutely 100% impartial, I get it, it's good, but why would that then solve all the problems, just because those guys have seen seen that guy play up close and personal and been one of his peers, so... You know, I don't know. I, I I don't think that there's a logical solution to it that's any better than the way it's done now.
2: Okay, one last question, and that is if I can put you on the spot a little bit. Give us a win total for the Cleveland Browns. Five this and year. eleven. Five and eleven, okay.
0: They're gonna win five games. Okay. Hugh keeps his job, they win five, and Baker Mayfield mostly sits this year and starts opening day against the Pittsburgh Steelers at a sold out Cleveland Browns stadium opening day 2019 2019 got
2: it okay great well thank you so much all right Mary Kay it was my pleasure it was my pleasure I really appreciate it hey I
0: do want to tell you one thing yes you may not know this but I mean because of my thing when I do a national job I I read you I've read you every day not every day but I've read you most days for about the last 15 years Wow. So you were my lifeline, pipeline to so much of what I know about this team. So thank you.
2: Well, I'm glad to be able to to help you out, Peter.
0: Yeah. Hey. Well, thanks a lot.
2: Yeah. Thank you. All
1: right. Thanks to Peter King for coming on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, uh, Mary Kay. Uh, just, just really good stuff from Peter. It was great for him to do this for us.
2: Yeah, there were so many uh, cool things that, that he talked about and uh, some of the things that surprised me a little bit in including you know just how he felt about Baker mayfield I didn't know that he that that would have been the quarterback that he would have yeah, that, that was interesting. Or. Yeah, so I thought that was. Uh, I really didn't know ahead of time uh, if he thought that this was a good setup, that John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson are back together. So I thought that was interesting. And then what did you think of his win total?
1: Um, well, that's about where I'm at. I've I you know i said about five or six wins would be a pretty good mark for this team. Although what I thought was most interesting was when he said he could see them going 3-3 three and three in the AFC North. This is a team that hasn't won a division game. Uh, since Hugh Jackson has been here. Um, so to go 3-3 three and three in the AFC North would be incredible.
2: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And also uh, the fact that he just came back from Pittsburgh and what the Steelers' perception of the Browns is this year, I think that's significant.
1: All right, so our thanks to Peter King for joining us. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, want to hear more, uh, hit us up on iTunes. You can subscribe there, leave ratings. We're also on the Google Play Store, and we just got added to Spotify. I checked recently. We are there on Spotify, so if that's where you get your podcasts, make sure you subscribe to us there. Just search for Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. From Mary Kay Cabot, I am Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody.